Hey family, welcome to the James Taylor Podcast. I am your host, James Taylor. Thank you so much for taking some time to listen to this episode. For those of you who've been rocking with me, I appreciate you. For those of you who are just tuning in for the first time, welcome. I encourage you to comment, to subscribe, be a part of this conversation. I, it is my desire always to help just shape the narrative a little bit, um, in a positive way and bring some uh, more perspective to things that, that may be facing us as a people uh, in any particular time. And so thank you so much for being a part of this moment. Well, we got quite a few things to talk about today, right? So let's 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 get into it. Um, in his 1858 Illinois Republican State Convention speech, uh, which happened June 12th, of 1858. Listen to what Abraham Lincoln says. I do not expect the union to be dissolved. I do not expect the house to fall, but I do expect it will become all one thing or all the other. Now, the title of that speech was A House Divided. And this is when Abraham Lincoln, he hadn't even become president yet. He was just trying to run for a Senate seat. And so uh, in, in the in the Republican Party state convention, he made this house divided speech, which has become, you know, a part of history now. And the crazy thing is that with everything that has happened in the past week, it's it calls me to to go back and to read that speech again and to kind of see where uh, where we are as a people. Now, uh, I'm not going to give you a whole history lesson, so you can go back and, and, and you can Google that speech and read it and see why it's so historically uh, significant, maybe even prophetically significant. But uh, nevertheless, a lot of crazy things have happened this past week. Uh, some bad and some also good. So, uh, so let, let, let's, let's talk about the crazy bad for a moment. Uh, now, those of you who were shocked and appalled by the Civil War overture, and that's what I'm calling it, really like a Civil War overture that took place in the U.S. Capitol last week. I want to encourage you to study early U.S. history. Again, I'm not trying to give you a history lesson, but I need you to just go look back with the, for those. You know, I heard a lot of people say like, this has never happened before. This is unbelievable. Like, no, this actually has happened before. Uh, you'll find if you study history that this is the same exact response that Southerners gave uh, when their way of life was challenged by the prohibition of slavery. Uh, people can say all they want that this was uh, an act of patriotism. However, in reality, it was an act of pragmatism. It was elitism. It was capitalism. And dare I say it, it was terrorism. And if that were not enough insult, uh, we got to add to the injury, the violently complicit silence of those who have been said to be the spiritual and maybe even the moral uh, compass of our nation. These 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 faith leaders who who have been literally silent. I mean, Nothing in their tweets, nothing in their in their Instagram posts, nothing in their sermon series. I mean, everybody just going on with Vision Sunday like nothing ever happened. <laughs> I'm not hating. I'm just saying that that really uh, the reality is that not all of the church of Jesus Christ was appalled by what happened last week. Real talk. 
Some churches had prayer services to intercede on behalf of the patriots, quote unquote, who went to demand justice, quote unquote, in Washington, D.C. Listen, some deactivated their Twitter accounts in solidarity with their commander in chief. Y'all, y'all pray for me because I listen. The I love everybody statement that 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 everybody is saying, you know, especially folk in the church. Oh, I love everybody. I don't see color, all that good stuff uh, uh, that that has been lost on me in the recent past. Because depending on the type of love that that many are exhibiting, uh, you can uh, you, you can't you can't really continuously engage in uh, the deprivating activities toward the very object of your love. If you really love, if you really love, love like Jesus love, you're not going to you're not going to hinder people and, 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 and deprivate people. But if, if you are using this this uh, contorted usurp love, then you can literally oppress and deprivate the very object of your love. I feel like I'm going on a, on a rant or a tangent here. So walk with me for a second. Uh, think of it like this. You could not tell one of the God fearing slave owners in the South that they did not love their slaves. However, that love would seldomly ever translate into the slave master being merciful, just or humble to their slaves. So I want to I want to listen. It's it's not enough to just say, oh, I love everybody and, and it's about love and all that good stuff. No, we got to we got to get to where, where the prophet says that we have to we have to love, love mercy. We have to do justice and we have to walk humbly with our God. And so, you know, miss me on this. I love everybody and I don't see color and all that kind of stuff. And and and, and even on that point, like, how can you say I don't see something that God created? When, when you say I don't see color, you're 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 literally saying and my, my pastor helped me with this last week. You're, you're literally saying that uh, I don't want to see color because if I see color, then I'm I'm prone uh, to to uh, to to engage in a bias activity. I don't want to see color because if I see color, then I'm then I'm going to have to deal with my racist tendencies. OK, OK. So so so, yeah, it, reality It's tough in our country right now. I know. I know it is tough. And some of y'all like, man, this is literally only the 11th day. What in the world? I, 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 I know it's tough, but. It's been real tough before. <laughs> People are like, Oh, my goodness, this is the darkest days of our country. Y'all give me a break. You know, we actually had slavery, right? You you know, you know that people were actually hung by the the government, right? By the local municipalities, by by lynch mobs. Like that stuff actually happened. You know, uh, churches bombed, uh, you know, Emmett Till. Yeah, like that stuff happened. Like we can't, you know, we, we can't act like this is the only time in history that we've in, endured these real tough times. I, I just need you to know that it's been dark before, but, Here's here's the good news that after some of the darkest times in our history, we've seen some of our most beautiful acts of democracy. And I know some of y'all millennials gonna be like, what? Especially if you're not a history major. But listen, 
the 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 whole idea of and and if if you never heard of this before, just you know after this podcast, go and Google it. The whole act of of reconstruction. I'm talking about the radical reconstruction that was founded by the Republican Party. And at that point in time, the Republican Party was being led by Abraham Lincoln. You know, of course, we have the the, the signing of the Emancipation Proclamation and, and you know, some so many great things that that he and his party did. And some of the some people would say that's the whole reason why he was assassinated, because he was he was, you know, bringing about too much change in um, in the country, you know. But anyway. Amidst all of that darkness, amidst all of the darkness of the Civil War. You have the Republican Party who rises up and who actually does the right thing. I know some of y'all like that's inconceivable that the Republican Party could do the right thing. But really, really search the history. They, they actually passed the, the Reconstruction Act of 1867. And, and this this allowed African-Americans to be uh, reenfranchised or, or enfranchised for the first time, really, because they never had rights when they got here. So so black people were able to build businesses, buy land. And here's the crazy part. E even 1867 in, in uh, a post-Civil War United States. Listen to this. Black people gained their voice in government for the first time in American history. They won elections in southern states. They they were they were black people in the U.S. Congress in the 1860s in southern states. Yeah. So so, I mean, you know, even what we're seeing right now, we got to understand uh, while, uh, Solomon, Solomon, the wisest king ever. Uh, notice what King Solomon said. He said that there is nothing new under the sun. And if those words be true, I believe that we are seeing somewhat of a reconstruction in our nation right now. The same thing like the reconstruction that happened in 1860s. I think we're really in the midst of a reconstruction in our nation at present. You know, like I said uh, earlier, uh, some things that happened last week were crazy bad. But in reality, some things were also crazy good. Something were some things were were amazingly good. Some of y'all, you know, got stimulus checks <laughs> this week, at least the second one. I mean, even though it may have been six hundred dollars, I pray you do well with it. You know, I pray you you take it, whatever it was, whatever it was, whatever amount you received. I pray you take it and and use it to the best of your ability. Uh, but going deeper, think of the state of Georgia now. Mind you, Georgia was one of the first of the seven states to start the Confederacy. Georgia, after the Civil War, didn't even rejoin the Union until 1870. Now, for those of you like, oh, why is that significant? The Civil War ended in 1865. <laughs> it took them five years to say, OK, we'll be a part of the Union. Georgia was just out there doing their own thing for five years, just a republic of Georgia. But watch this. Last week, that same state, that state that, I mean, yeah, we, oh, goodness, the, the, the horrors that African-Americans experience in that state, I mean, is insurmountable. But just think of it. That same state last week elected a black man, the Reverend Dr. Raphael Warnock. And if that were not enough, they also elected a 33-year-old Jewish man named John Ossoff. And they are their new incoming senators. That is amazing. That is, that's reconstruction, y'all. That, that's, that's good news. 
That's good news. And I'm believing they're going to go to the Senate and they're going to they're going to they're going to move things forward. They're going to help the administration, the incoming administration, uh, try to bring forth justice, equality and even equity. Now, watch this. If that weren't enough, and you know, we're, we're celebrating Raphael Warnock. We're celebrating John Ossoff. But but there's something else that we're getting ready to celebrate, like in like 10, 11 weeks. Watch this. In Louisiana, uh, in the Baton Rouge area in particular. Uh, now, Louisiana, just just so you can have a little context. Louisiana was also one of the seven states of the Confederacy uh, that didn't rejoin the Union until 1868. So they, they were a little earlier than Georgia, but, you know, they, it still took them, you know, a couple of years to wrap their minds around the fact that, oh, we can't have slaves. huh? Oh, we we we, we got to treat everybody equal. Oh, Lord. But anyway, they finally rejoined the union and became a part of the United States. Now, watch this. There is a upcoming Senate race. Uh, there was a Senate seat that was made uh, vacant by the passing of one of their previous senators. And we pray uh, grace over his family. But here's here. Here's the, the silver lining of that. Gary Chambers, Gary Chambers of. Baton Rouge, Louisiana, has decided to run for that open Senate seat. And we're believing he's going to prevail. Now, some of you are like, wait a minute, who is Gary Chambers? G give me a moment. Let, let me let, let me refresh your memory about who Gary Chambers is and why I'm so excited that he can he can possibly be the next senator of Louisiana. So I had intended to get up here and talk about how racist Robert E. Lee was, but I'm going to talk about you, Connie sitting over there shopping while we talking about Robert E. Lee. This is a picture of you shopping while we talking about racism and history in this country. Only white members of this board got up while we were up here talking too, because you don't give a damn, and it's clear. But I'm gonna tell you what the slaves, my ancestors said about Robert E. Lee, since you don't know history, sister. Let me tell you that they said when he got the plantation, after he got off the field where 27,000 people died at Gettysburg, Connie, Robert E. Lee, was a brutal slave master. Not only did when he whooped the slaves, he said, lay it on them hard. After he said, lay it on them hard, he said, put brine on them, sort of burn them. That's what Robert E. Lee did. And you set your arrogant self in here and sit on there shopping while the pain and the hurt of the people of this community is on display because you don't give a damn and you should resign. You should have resigned two years ago when you choked a white man in his house. You should have resigned two weeks ago when you got on TV and said foolishness. And you should walk out of here and resign and never come back because you are the example of racism in this community. You are horrible. Not to the rest of the board. You have an obligation to the people of this community. And 81% of them are black. And do you need a Klan rally outside, Mr. Godet, before you end it? Because holding it up means that you put that building in jeopardy. You do, sir. Because all over the country, they're burning stuff down. And black folks in this city have stood with protesters. I ain't seen you elected officials out there with them, making sure that nothing goes south in Baton Rouge. It's been folks in this community who give a damn, not just when it's comfortable, but every time. And four years ago, we came down here. Mr. Drake, they say you're a good man. Be a good man. Black folks say you're a good man. White folks say you're a good man. Your legacy is attached to tonight, brother. Your legacy. Now, let me say to the black members of the board, it's the most solidarity I've seen out of y'all in forever. 
Let's keep it at. Let's stand on this moving forward. Because we don't need to apologize for Connie, Evelyn. She showed you who she was when she was sitting next to you while you were talking shopping. You don't need another example. Now, when do we as Baton Rouge stop being in 1856? If you want to name the building after somebody, how about PBS Pinchback, the first black governor of the state of Louisiana, when he was governor during Reconstruction? You want another name? Oscar Dunn, who was the lieutenant governor of the state of Louisiana in the 1860s that gave the right for Darius Lannis and Don Collins and, and Evelyn Ware Jackson and Tramiel Howard to get here. You want to name it after somebody from Reconstruction? Name it after the people who fought for abolition of slavery. If you want to name it after somebody, honor the right people, the people who are on the right side of history. But it's your ancestor that the school is named after. So you're holding on to your heritage. But we built this joint for free. Thank and we've you. done begging you to do what's right. Thank you, sir. You remember him now? Yeah, yeah, that Gary Chambers. I ain't talking to you, Connie. <laughs> that Gary Chambers who, you know, from what I've learned of him has has been speaking truth to power, has been has been an activist and and really just a servant of his community uh for for all of his life. Now, Let's let's I be too utopic. I must state that it was the very act of of radical reconstruction from from the Republican Party in our nation that that fueled the the conception of the Ku Klux Klan. Absolutely. It, the Ku Klux Klan started after reconstruction. They were like, wait a minute, these black people are doing too much. They they they're they're getting too far. And so we got to do something about it. So, yes, yes. Uh, this this fuel, this reconstruction that happened in our nation, it fueled the Ku Klux Klan, it fueled massive acts of white supremacy. And, and, and that's going to be a part of society. However, it is promising to know that there are more in the House that want to stand united than those that want to fall divided. Now, remember that that uh, that speech I mentioned to you uh, at the beginning of of this podcast that Abraham Lincoln gave a house divided. Uh, he didn't he didn't come up with that speech just out of his political or legal prowess or, or intelligence. He went to the Bible. He went to Matthew chapter 12, verse 25, where Jesus says, knowing their thoughts. He said to them. Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste and no city or house divided against itself will stand. Abraham Lincoln didn't say it first. Jesus said it first. And Jesus was talking about the state as well as the church. And so I want to be hopeful for our state. And because Jesus is the progenitor of the church, I'm always going to be hopeful about the church. And so I pray that that we overcome the division and we grab hold to unity so that we can stand. Because if we give in to division, we will only fall and lay waste. So I pray this week is uh a better week. I'm believing God it is. And, and I, I'm, I'm declaring that whatever happens, that that we are going to make sure that we persevere, that we that we go through it, that good, bad and different, that we keep pressing and we keep we keep waking up in the, in, in the name of Jesus. By the grace of God, we keep waking up and doing our best. 
doing our best. All right. I got to get out of here. So uh, I'm praying for you. I'm believing God is going to be a great week for you. And remember, no matter what you get this week, make sure you get perspective.